0: guys ready? Um, so on my trip, I felt like God was speaking to me about a couple of things, and particularly um, the message that I think he put in my heart was, the best is yet to come. And along with that is, get ready. How many of you know you got to be ready? You've got to be ready. You've got to stay ready. There's, there's situations where you just, you can't walk in to the situation or the circumstance and decide you're gonna get ready on the spot. It doesn't work that way. Take for instance if you're a prize fighter. If you're a UFC fighter or a a boxer or some kind of athlete, can you show up to the fight and say, okay, it's time for me to get ready? No, you've gotta come ready. How about if you're an athlete? do Do you step onto the court? Do you step onto the field? Do you step onto the track and say, okay, it's time for me to get ready? you've got to be ready. You know, and it's interesting because we understand this concept in every aspect of life, but sometimes we don't translate it into our Christianity. And this is what I mean. You understand it as a business owner that you've got to be ready. You don't get ready when the customer shows up. You've got to be ready before you go into the boardroom. If you're an executive, you've got to be ready before you start the sales call. Before you do anything, you've got to be ready. Can I tell you, before Jesus comes, you've got to be ready. There's not going to be enough time to get ready. And this was really, really illustrated for me when uh, we're, we're interacting with this gentleman and, and he's part of the hotel staff and he's talking to me and he's outside and he's trying to set us up with some canoes and that kind of thing or, or kayak. I don't know what it was. Get out there and you paddle with it. Um, but... Uh, he kind of gets a little coarse with me and a little, little, in my opinion, inappropriate. Because I'm a Christian. I don't talk certain ways. But evidently, this is the way he interacted with hotel guests. And some hotel guests thought it was cute. And I didn't. And so I said, him straight in Spanish. And I said, that's not who I am. I'm a Christian. And he goes, oh, you're a Christian. Okay, I'm sorry. And then he said, oh, how long have you been a Christian? I said, uh, quite a while. He's just always been perfect. I said, I'm not perfect today. Come on, how many of us know we're not perfect today? Getting ready doesn't mean you're perfect. Getting ready means you give, give your life to the one who is perfect. And, and, and so he said, well, well, do you have to be perfect? I thought you had to be perfect. I said, no, you don't have to be perfect. You have to be surrendered. Rendido is the, is the word in Spanish. You have to give yourself away. You gotta give Christ your life. And this is what he says to me. He says, well, Someday, if I have enough time, me pongo listo. That means I'll get ready. And I thought, it doesn't work that way. The Bible says the day of salvation is today. And I want to remind you of that. We're called to be ready. We're called to accept today. We're called not to put it off. We're called to be awake. It's like when we were traveling. I don't know about you, but I can't sleep the night we're heading out early in the morning. If you're heading out early in the morning, it's like you have this this thing hanging over you, you just can't sleep and you just can't sleep. And I was talking to somebody about that and they said this to me. They said, oh, if you travel all the time like I do, it's easy to sleep. And then I thought, because as a pastor, I'm always looking for ways to illustrate God's word. Right, And I thought to myself, I hope I never get so comfortable that it's easy for me to sleep before the biggest flight of my life. Can I tell you, Jesus Christ is going to take you on the biggest flight of your life, of your existence. It is the flight. It is going to be epic. It's called the rapture. And in an instant, you're going to be transformed. You're going to be raised to meet him in the air, in the clouds. And, And he's going to fly you away. And it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so I just want to talk to you about some things. Uh, I kind of want to set the stage for this sermon series in that we're going to talk about some end time stuff, and we're going to talk about some today stuff. Like, and what I mean by that is, not everything's going to be about prophecy. Not everything's going to be about his second coming. Not everything's going to be about um, uh, end time subjects. And we're going to mix in, you know, kind of the practical, the today, living my life in fullness, expecting God's goodness. But I do want to give you a hefty portion of the fact that the king is returning. And he's returning soon. And, I, and you say, Pastor, why do you have to preface that? Because I, I saw some statistics the other day that really, really kind of uh, sobered me up and kind of shook me that the church today, your overwhelming percent, I'm talking like 90% plus of your pastors today will not touch end time prophecy. It doesn't feel good. And our churches are all about making people feel good. Well, if you're new here or if you've been here for a while, you'll notice that I don't shy away from the full breath of God's word. And for me, I don't know about you, but for me, Kind of the whole point is that he should come back. (laughs) That's the whole point. Like, I don't want to get comfortable here. You know, I don't want to wake up every day and go, I wonder if we're going to have another 2020. I wonder what virus they're going to unleash this time. I wonder what crazy rules they're going to come up with now. I wonder who's fighting who and who's bombing who. I want to wake up every morning and go, could this be the day my king returns? Could this be the day that we go home? Could this be? And and you might just be getting a little tense because I noticed that when I start preaching on on going home and Jesus' return, people start kind of going like, "It's real easy. Give your life away and you have nothing to worry about." Okay, that's number one. But number two is this: you're not going to miss out. A lot of people experience when we when we when we preach a message like this, and you say, "Pastor, you're doing a lot of like prefacing." Yeah, because I, I want to make sure that 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 it. It's edifying to you. that builds you up. And so a lot of people experience what's called FOMO. Fear of missing out. You go, what do you mean fear of missing out? Fear of missing out. Fear of missing out on what the future might hold here. I haven't gotten married yet. I haven't given my children away. I haven't experienced seeing great things. I haven't done this or this or that. Could Jesus come back? Yeah, I want him to come back. But maybe if he can just wait just a little bit. Anyone? Don't don't admit it, or somebody's liable to start praying for you right there on the spot. No, just kidding. Uh, Look, you don't have to fear missing out, because I'm going to share something with you. Some of us fear in missing out in this family thing, fear of missing out in true love and true closeness, and we wish we could just, just pause the world just the way it is, because finally things are seeming normal and good. But can I tell you something? What God has in store for you, you cannot even comprehend how amazing it's going to be. And Jesus is saying, you want to see mountain ranges? You want to see beaches? You want to see this? You want to see that? Can you imagine? I just created that kind of like in six days. I've been creating since I left. Wait till, I see, till you see what I have for you. Wait till you see all the beauty and all the splendor. Without fear of disease, without fear of pain and hurt and suffering and sadness and rejection and depression and anxiety, wait till I set you up. You want family? It was my idea to begin with, Jesus says. I'm the one that created the family. I'm the one that blessed the family. And what I have blessed, no man can curse, he says. Therefore, let me give you family. Let me show you peace. Let me show you joy. Let me show you. If you thought this world was something special, you ain't seen nothing yet, baby. I got a whole lot more i can 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 we just receive that in our hearts today and just put away this silly notion that somehow we're going to miss out if he comes no you're going to gain you're going to gain more than you could possibly imagine in this in this limited state because you will be transformed in the twinkling of an eye you'll be transformed and given a resurrected perfect body designed for eternity you're design for eternity. What's that mean? I don't know if it means teleporting. I don't know what it means, but it's going to be amazing. So you say, okay, pastor, I'm ready. Okay, one more, one more before we, we're going to set the stage. So you know I love empanadas. Some of you are going, what is an empanada? You got to remember I'm Hispanic. So uh, some of you are going, yeah, we can tell you came back real tan. <laughs> Don't get jelly. Don't get jelly. (laughs) I was born with this. Uh, But (laughs) I'm just kidding you. Listen, um, I love empanadas. So we're going through the Miami airport and I see this. And so I stop immediately. (laughs) like, let's buy empanadas for the family. So we start buying empanadas. We're having a good time. And all of a sudden we hear last call for... If you're not here, the doors are closing in five minutes and we're 10 minutes away. Can I tell you, when Jesus comes back, you don't wanna be 10 minutes away and he's five minutes from getting there. Meaning the day of salvation is today. Today, you say, well, what happened? We made it by the grace of God. God is good. And because he is good, he is providing you the opportunity today to call upon his name. You say, but how do you know he's coming so soon? Well, let's read. There is a very important discourse that takes place in Luke 17 and Matthew 24, and we'll read, from some of those, we'll read some of those passages. But in Matthew 24, that entire chapter is set aside to answering the disciples' questions that asked him, tell us about the end of the age and your return. Okay? So you have three of his disciples. They're sitting on the Mount of Olives. Now, I want you to picture this. Picture the central uh, Texas hill country. That's kind of how Jerusalem looks, except the trees are not small. They're a lot taller. Cedars, taller pines. They're, they're tall. But the hill country, limestone, very much alike. So you have a hill, and then you have a valley, and you have another hill. On this hill, you have the Mount of Olives, and on this hill, you have the Temple Mount. And it is possible to travel between the hills because that's exactly what they've done. They left the Temple Mount. They went over to the Mount of Olives. In the, down here at the bottom of the Mount of Olives, you have Gethsemane. And you have the Kidron Valley, the Valley of Jehoshaphat. We'll talk about that in just a second. Now, I'm going to cover a lot because I believe that God's word changes you, not my funny stories. God's word changes you. And so I want you to stay with me. And if you have some notes, you can take them. You can also download our app and you'll have all the slides there for you to to peruse at your leisure. But I I want to... kind of share with you, these disciples say, Lord, tell us about the end of the age. And Jesus launches into Matthew 24. We won't cover all of Matthew 24, but I want to highlight a couple of passages here. Verse 32 says, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. Okay. Matthew 24 and 25 are dedicated to answering the question, tell us of the end. Matthew 25 is more about parables. Matthew 24 is straightforward. So you say, wait a minute, he's talking about fig trees. How do you know this isn't a parable? It's not a parable because every Jewish man, every Jewish person knew exactly what Jesus meant when he said, now learn the lesson from the fig tree. In scripture, the fig tree represents Israel. And so what Jesus is saying, now learn the lesson from Israel. When you see Israel, when you see the twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. So, we have a couple of fig trees at our house, and the freeze, like, thought, I, I thought killed it. Now, spring comes around and they start to bloom. And we know that summer is coming. And that's what Jesus is saying. Even so, you know, or when you see all of these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. Right at the door. What do you mean, right at the door? It means that something's Something big is going to happen. Now, what is that big thing? Well, they asked him, what are the signs of the end? And he's telling them, look towards Israel. When you see things happening, now what's happening with Israel? Now, even that at the door means a lot. Because I want you to think about something. Jesus, in the book of Revelations, you go, whoa, you're going all over the place. No, 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 stay with me. In the book of Revelations, it talks about the end, right? Well, the first three chapters are about the church, just, just, just lock that in with me about the church. Chapter 3 ends with Jesus saying, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into your life. I will sup with you meaning I will make my home with you. But more importantly, you will sup with me, meaning you will be raptured because the very next chapter, you have John in chapter four of Revelations being raptured into heaven as a representation of the church. And no more in Revelations do you hear about the church, you hear about Israel. You go, whoa, you're blowing my mind. Okay, stay with me on this. I'm gonna take you to Daniel. Would you go to Daniel with me for me? Daniel chapter 9 is probably the most amazing prophecy in all the Bible. We know that Daniel asked for understanding and the devil, I mean, excuse me, the angel was sent from heaven, but the devil combated with his forces that angel, and it took the angel three weeks to get to Daniel. We know this. Why? Because the angel explains it to Daniel. He says, I was launched, I was dispatched the day you started praying. From heaven, but I encountered the prince of who Persia, and then now comes the prince of Greece, and, and these these celestial princes fought against me, and the archangel Michael had to. Some of you are going, what? That's in the Bible. That's why I like preaching the Bible because it's so interesting, so beautiful. So he gives him this prophecy, and it's a prophecy. If I didn't include the first part of it, it starts at verse twenty four, but it says. There are 70 weeks, 70 weeks. Now think about this with me for a second. We use the word decade to mean 10. They use the word week to mean seven year period. So there are 70, 70 year periods for your holy people and to bring an end to this whole thing. Who is Daniel's holy people? Or for for his people, the Jewish people. Watch this. He says, there will be 62 and seven. 62 plus seven means what? 69, and Messiah will be cut off. That's where I started it. And after the 62, because he's already talked about the seven, Messiah shall be cut off. What does Messiah being cut off mean? It means he will be crucified. I've done the calculations for you that from the time Artaxerxes gave the order to rebuild the wall, right? In the book of Nehemiah, You can calculate to the day Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem being hailed the King of kings, the Lord of lords, to the day. That's why Jesus said, I cannot ask my disciples to remain quiet. For if they remain quiet, the rocks will cry out. But God's word will be fulfilled today. That that was given by God to the prophet Daniel. Okay, cut off. 69. Then he starts up with the 70th week. Watch this. The end of it shall be with a flood until the end of the war of desolations are determined. Okay, watch this. Then you shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. There's that 70th week that comes up. So 69 have elapsed and then 70th week comes up to bring an end to the whole thing. But there's a gap from the time Jesus is cut off, crucified, to the time the seven years of tribulation begin. You want to know what that gap is? It's the one you're living in right now. It's called the church age. Daniel is written to two audiences. Daniel's written in Aramaic and Hebrew. Aramaic, he's addressing all of us. Hebrew, he's addressing the Jewish people, the fig tree. The church age is what happens when Jesus is crucified. The Holy Spirit comes down at the day of Pentecost and the church is birthed. And this is where we're at now. You have all the Gentiles. Even Jesus himself said, until the end of the Gentile time. Paul says, until the end of the Gentile time will the end begin. But here, Jesus is saying, keep an eye on Israel. Because when you see Israel begin to happen, you know that the church age is drawing to a close. And Israel is going to be the main focus again. You see this in the book of Revelations. It starts off with seven letters. Complete. The, the, The seven means completeness. Seven letters to seven different churches. And then he finishes it with, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Watch this. You know that the end is near right at the door. Watch what's going to happen. when, If you are part of the church and you get raptured, that seven years of tribulation will be your marriage feast with your groom in the air. I mean, in In heaven. In heaven. This is what takes, some of us are going, whoa, 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 you're moving really fast. I'm moving really fast, but I'm hoping to encourage you to say, man, I got to get up on my Bible. I got to get up on reading this so that I can follow. Why? Because there's nothing bigger than the return of your king. Nothing bigger. Nothing bigger. But stay with me. I got a lot more verses for you. So we're dropping down to the next verse in Matthew 24. So we read 32, 33, behold, right at the door, right? Verse 34 says, truly I tell you, this generation will not, will certainly not pass. Read it with me real close. I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Keep an eye on the fig tree. When you see it starting to bloom, you know, the end is near, I'm at the door, and this generation will see it happen. You go, whoa, but a generation, I mean, come on, how do we know for sure? I'm with you. Does the Bible say anything about it? Go to, go to, go to uh, Psalms 90 verse 10. Psalms 90 verse 10 says, our days, if you're reading out of the New King James Version, it says the days of our lives. So are the days of our lives. (laughs) The days of our lives come to 70 years. Watch this. Or 80 if you're strong, if you're strengthened it. Yet the best of them are but sorrow and trouble, or trouble and sorrow. Meaning it goes by fast, doesn't it? But it's hard work. It reminds me of Alan Jackson. Some of y'all are good. Y'all, you, you listen to his country? No, not just country, 90s country. You know? <laughs> but Alan Jackson talks about remember when? Remember when 30 seems so far. Now, looking back, it's only a. Is he right? Yeah, looking back, 30 seems. I mean, it goes by quick. It goes by quick, and then we fly away. Now that key word, look, come on, guys. Am I the only one that's going, and now we fly away? It's like God put a huge clue right there saying, you want to know about a generation? My son's going to talk about a generation. But before he talks about it, I want you to know it's about 70 to 80 years, and then I rapture you. I take you. We fly away. He could have said, and then we pass away. He could have said, and then you're laid to rest with your fathers. He could have said, and then you die, and then you fall asleep. But he says, and then we fly away? Is anybody going, okay, okay, okay. I'm on the, uh. So what happened in the last 70 years? 73 years to be precise from a few days ago, Israel became a nation on May 14th, 1948. 73 years ago. You go, yeah, but how do we know that that means it's blooming? Do you realize there are dozens of prophecies? And I've gone through my favorite, my top dozen, my top 12 favorite prophecies that Israel fulfilled in the last 70 years. How about Isaiah when he says, can a a woman give birth in one day yet? Israel will be born in one day and then the labor pains. Can I tell you what, what they're experiencing now is a labor pain. Guess what happened? In one day, they became a nation. Now they're fighting for their existence. Most nations, what? Fight first, then gain their independence. Israel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Ezekiel. Uh, Zechariah says, I will restore the land to its former glory. I will draw my people back. I will do this. I will do that. Hebrew has been restored as the official language. The shekel is being used again. All prophetic. Guess what? The land is now blossoming again. It used to be a wasteland after the Turks got done with it. Now it is the breadbasket of the Middle East. You go through there as I did, and you will see orchard after orchard after orchard, melons as big as this. Just beautiful. Just going... You can go to YouTube, I think it's the Ministry of Interior, not a Christian film, just talking about how God has been faithful and fulfilling all the Old Testament prophets to Israel. And they're just bragging on their country and saying there's something special about Israel. There's no other nation on the face of the earth like Israel. And I'm going, yeah! (laughs) Open your eyes, world! You think it's a coincidence that the sentiment in America is changing towards Israel. I didn't say this in first service, I'm gonna say it to you because it's true. Notice on Twitter, I don't, I don't, I don't I'm don't. i off of all social media, I'm done. My wife, she still needs some converting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, I love you, baby. And yeah, I just got in trouble right there. That's how quickly it happens. Um, my wife is, uh, is, is telling me that there's all this, this negativity about Israel right now on Twitter. I said, oh, that's not, that's not coincidental. That's by design because there's another prophecy in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 38, about a great war that's coming to Israel. And you, you think about the prophecy in Daniel that talks about the prince of the people that destroyed the holy city. Who are the people that destroyed the holy city, the Roman Empire? They destroyed the holy city. That prince will rise again and confirm a covenant with Israel. Well, you need a covenant of peace if you've just gone through a horrendous conflict. Many people believe that the war of Gog and Magog is is starting right now. Right now, that's what's happening in the Middle East. The rapture could take place at any moment. That war of Gog and Magog will be so horrific that it will set the stage for an Antichrist to step onto the scene and to have a covenant of peace for seven years, which he will break. But the seven-year peace treaty is what starts the seven years of tribulation. The seven years of tribulation cannot start until we're in heaven with Jesus. (laughs) You say, but, but whoa, 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 how do you know? Because Jesus said this. But of that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, but only only my father. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. You can keep it down there. You can keep it down there. Thank you. But only my father. So you're thinking to yourself the same thing I thought. But if only God knows not even the sun, then how could we be so sure? Well, you can't be perfectly certain, but he does expect you to know the season. You may not know the day or the hour, but you're expected to know the season. And you might ask yourself right now, what is this business of not even the sun knowing? You have to understand that Jesus is talking to Jewish men from Galilee. These are his disciples from Galilee. I want to share with you the Jewish tradition very, very quickly. In the Jewish tradition, you have a a groom and you have a bride. They enter into a holy covenant to be married, to be married. That is called the official betrothal after the ketubah has been signed and agreed upon by both families. This takes place at the city gate. The city gate would be like our courthouse, the town square. Okay, This takes place before both families and their witnesses... And then they share a ceremonial cup of wine, which is called the cup of joy. What did Jesus do when he was what? Signing our betrothal with his blood. He said, we will not share this cup again until we are all together in my father's house. That is the same wedding language that takes place between A a, a groom and a bride where the groom would say, my sweetheart, I vow myself to you and we seal it with this drink together. We won't drink it. We won't drink again. Goodness gracious. We won't drink again together until we're in the father's house and we are consummating the marriage with a week long celebration. Okay, watch this. So then he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He goes to his father's house and begins the preparations. The father oversees those preparations. And when the son is finished, he comes to the father and says, I'm finished, may I go get my bride? And the father will say, I'll let you know. Because it's the father's decision to send the groom. Why, because the father is watching. And seeing, is he really prepared? Has he completed his preparations? And is he prepared emotionally and spiritually to receive a bride, a, 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 a spouse? Usually the father would come at an unexpected hour and say, go get your bride, son. Wake up, go get your bride. The bridegroom would get up with his best men. They would travel through the city blowing trumpets. And they would collect the bride. They would lift her up, put her on what's called a litter. That's a, that's a seat, a chair on poles. That they would carry her back to his house. It was called flying the bride home. Do you see the symbolism? Do you see what's happening in the Jewish men's minds when Jesus is talking about this? They understand him. They're tracking with him. So it shall be. At the end of the age, when the son gets the word from the father, he's already finished the preparations. He's sitting at the father's right, and he says, go and get your bride. He goes to get his bride, and he flies her home. That's why the Bible, oh, come on. Is someone getting excited? You say, but a day is like a thousand, and a, and a thousand is like a day. Yeah, I know exactly where that's at. It's called 2 Peter chapter 3. And it says, in the last day, scoffers will come and say, where is the sign of his coming? For generations, we've talked about him coming, yet he doesn't show up. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a scoffer. As for me and my house, I believe my Savior's coming back, and he could come back any moment. Any moment. Any moment. Any moment. Any moment. You say, nah, you know, I I don't know, I don't know. Uh, Well, let me share with you something else. Every New Testament church that Paul writes to believed their Savior could come back at any moment. What makes me different? The Savior can come back at any moment. Okay, you've talked about some things. I've talked about prophecies related to Israel. We know that when the 70th week begins, God's focus is on Israel. I can show you passage after passage after passage. We know that the book of Revelations, the church age finishes in chapter three. Chapter four, John is raptured up, representing the church. And from there on, it's talking about tribulation saints and Israel. Churches in heaven, feasting with the Lord for seven years. A week-long marriage feast of the Lamb. We know that Daniel says for your holy people, there will be 69, then there's a gap, and then the 70th week starts with some kind of treaty by the Antichrist. The Bible calls it a covenant. I call it a treaty because the world will know it as a treaty. We know that there will be a specific time frame. Jesus says generation. Psalm says a generation is 70 to 80 years. In the book of Joel, he says, For behold, in those days and at that time, a specific time frame, when I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem, that has taken place. God has drawn his people to Israel. They are a nation now because the people have returned to their homeland. But watch this. I will also gather all nations. Now he's talking about what happens at the end of the seven years of tribulation in the valley of Jehoshaphat. That is the valley between the Temple Mount and the Temple Mount and the Mount of Olives, also known as the Kidron Valley. I will gather all the nations there. Jesus also alludes to this in chapter 25 of Matthew. Remember, chapter 24 is very specific. Direct, chapter 25, speaks more in parables. Jesus says, I will gather at the end of the days all the goats and the sheep. The goats, he's talking about this event in that valley. The goats on the left, the sheep on the right, he's talking about the the judgment. But what I wanted to share with you is it's a specific time. Let me share a couple more things with you. The Lord uses patterns and specific things that he highlights to show you there's an order, that it's not just haphazard, but it's very specific because he's a God of order. And there are, there are seven feasts, seven feasts that Israel celebrates. Four are in the spring and three are in the fall. Stay with me on this because this is very important. Let me highlight a couple of things for you. Jesus was crucified on Passover. That's the first feast. He was crucified on a Passover. He was buried the next day on the unleavened bread feast that begins the the day after Passover. He was resurrected on number three, first fruits. Do you see a pattern? The church began on number four, the Feast of Weeks. This is all history. You can verify this. If you want to download these apps, you can also read the article by whitecliff.org. I put the URL down here at the, at, at the bottom of the slide. Read it and, and do your own research. The next one is the Feast of Trumpets. That takes place in the fall. The first four takes place in the spring. When you see the fig tree blooming, in the fall is the Feast of Trumpets. Now let me share with you a couple of passages about the rapture and see if you pick up any talk of trumpets. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. He's saying, if, if you're not a Christian, there's no hope. But you're, but you're Christians, he's saying. Therefore, you might be sad, but you should have hope that you'll see your loved ones again. Watch this. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. You hear what he's saying there? Watch, keep reading with me. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Meaning those that are asleep or what we call dead, they will be, they're going to go first. That's what he's saying. And then us. Keep reading with me. Verse 16. For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. That means your grand, great-grandfather, your great-grandmother that were Christians and held the faith and prayed for generations that you would be a Christian too. They're going to be awakened first. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Think about this with me for a second. They're going to be awakened first. That, that trumpet sound will resonate with something inside of you, deep inside. You know what that something is? It's the Holy Spirit that you are sealed with, and you will be drawn to attention. to go meet your Savior King in the air. If you're here today, I just want to speak because I realize that we don't live in the world I grew up in. You might be here today and you go, this is crazy. It's not crazy. I can show you this book is supernatural. Prophecy after prophecy after prophecy after prophecy to the T fulfilled. I promise you, this will be fulfilled as well. It will. Stay with me on this. We will be met. We'll meet him in the air. Watch uh, where, Then we who, who, are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So those that are. So this is what's happening. Jesus is returning. With the spirit of all of those that have passed away. Because the Bible says through Paul, absent from the body, present with the Lord. But their bodies will be resurrected to join with their spirits. We're already one with body and spirit. But our body will be transformed as we join him in the air to meet him. Now watch this. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words why do you think I'm saying this is a comfort? This is a good thing. Don't FOMO. Don't fear missing out on something. This is the most important thing. This is the only thing you should fear missing out on. This point right here. Well, let me share a couple more things about, and then we'll we'll draw it to a close. Now then I say, I'm reading out of 1 Corinthians. Brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. You shall not all sleep, but you shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trump will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must be uh, must put on incorruption. And this mortal, must, this mortal body must put on immortality. So he's talking about the last trumpet. He's talking about all of these things. But most importantly, in the twinkling of an eye, in a moment, it's the Greek word there is where we get the word Adam from. Atomos, I think it's, it is pronounced. We get the word Adam. It means the smallest, mic, the, the smallest fraction of time. This is where my message comes together. Remember I told you you can't afford to get ready once, once it happens in the moment. What God is saying there by his Holy Spirit in the twinkling of an eye, it's not gonna be enough time to confess. It's not gonna be enough time to realize what's taking place. It's not gonna be enough time to say I'm sorry and repent. It's not gonna be enough time to change your mind. It's not gonna be enough time to get ready. Me pongo listo. It's, it's, it's done. At that point, you're either part of the saints in the clouds or you're left behind. Now, some of you are saying, this is not a good message. What do you mean? The day of salvation is today. Today. Be ready. Get your children ready. Talk to them. You know the holy scriptures. They're right here. You say, but pastor, I thought there's so much teaching. This is where we finish. There's so much teaching about the church going through the tribulation because isn't there like a rapture, I think, at the end? This is where the confusion comes in. I'm going to give you some clues and give you some homework. The confusion comes in because they don't understand that there's two raptures. There's two raptures. One is private for the church. The other is public for everyone that comes through the tribulation. And Jesus says very, very plainly, if you come through the tribulation, it will cost you your life. Period. It will cost you your life. It's going to cost. You say, but, so this is easy. This is the easy one. No, this one costs you your life too. To become a Christian, you must die to yourself. You must say, I no longer live. Lord, I trust you. You have control of my life. But this is what happens. He raptures the church. Then there's going to be saints through the tribulation. And then when he comes back, he'll rapture them. And he'll draw close to this whole thing. You see this very clearly, in my opinion, in Luke chapter 17 and Matthew chapter 24. He describes both raptures. You have to read it very closely, but, but it'll stand out to you. One of them, he says, where the body is, there the eagles will be. And he's talking about rapture. And he's also saying people will be eating and drinking and having a good time, giving into marriage, doing business. That doesn't happen in the tribulation. Why? Because the tribulation, by the end, the world is so decimated, no one's doing anything but hiding and wishing for death. And he describes both raptures. He talks about at the end of the tribulation, a rapture. But then he talks about one that is like the days of Noah and the days of Lot. What happened in the days of Noah? What happened in the days of Lot? People didn't realize that the wrath of God was coming. And they just continued on, continued on, continued on. And and what? Noah, the ark, has always represented who? The salvation of Jesus Christ. The church is in Jesus and is above the wrath that takes place on the earth below. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Watch this. Lot and his family was about to have what fire and brimstone rain down, but the angels came and removed them from the wrath. That's why the Bible says in the book of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 10, read it with me. It's right up here. What Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. At the end of that book, chapter 5, verse 9, he says, For God did not appoint us to wrath. Both examples, he's saying, the church, you're not going to have to go through the wrath that's happening. But those that are not part of the church and you're left behind, you'll have to go through that wrath. That's the only way to be saved at this point. And then there will be another rapture. How you feel? I love this. My brother goes. Bible says encourage one another. Your king is coming back, church. Your Your king is coming back. Your king is coming back. Your king is coming back. Don't get too comfortable. Don't fall asleep. Don't get caught shopping for empanadas <laughs> on the biggest flight of your life. I'm here, I'm sounding the alarm. I'm saying, hey, all boarding. It's drawing to a close. He stands at the door, he's knocking. He's saying, I'm about to come back. The generation has begun. You say, ah, okay, okay. But never before in the history of the church has the fig tree been blooming like it is today. It's blooming. Summer is near. I love you, church. And so we participate in communion. Communion is saying, You know, as if you need communion supplies, would you raise your hand and our usher will give you one? You know what I found so interesting about 2020? It's as if God slowed everything down enough to have you really consider. I think it was his mercy. I think it was his mercy. I can tell you for one, as a pastor, I'm so busy building Sometimes I lose, fact, lose sight of the fact that my family, I need to make sure I'm building them. 2020 had me take my focus off of things that have had my focus over the time and over the years. And I just really started thinking about what really matters. And that's one of the reasons my preaching has changed too. I keep hearing about feel good sermons, feel good sermons, feel good sermons. This is a feel good sermon. It's the best feel good sermon. And so, salvation is saying you believe that Jesus Christ died, gave his body up, and shed his blood so that you might be saved. Today is the day of salvation. Before we partake, if you want to accept Jesus and make sure I'm in, I'm in. I want, to, I want to settle that. I want to give my life away. I want to help you by praying a prayer with you. Would you just raise your hand right here, right now? And we'll pray this prayer together. I see a hand right here up front. Anyone else? I see a hand in the back. I see another hand. Anyone else? And those of you who raised your hand, would you just pray this simple prayer right from your heart? Say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that you are the Son of God. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. From this moment on, seal me and guide me by your Holy Spirit. I am no longer my own. I am am yours in Jesus name amen father thank you for dying on the cross for us and shedding your blood that we might be saved we eagerly await your return in Jesus name amen church have a great week I love you